Room 110 at the West Lafayette Hilton was registered to a Mr. Jerome Salinger. It gave out onto Interstate 65, an unremarkable but functional highway that connected greater Chicagoland to Indianapolis. Connor had drawn the maroon curtains over his negligible view, their paisley pattern billowing stale gusts from the air conditioner, which was on full blast even though lately Indiana mornings had been starting out cool. Connor had moved the room's faux mahogany desk and chairs away from the window, as if he were a spy, afraid someone might see him through the window and try to assassinate him. He slapped me hard on the shoulder, thanked me for coming, and apologized for the mysterious invitation. I noticed the beds were still made, and that Connor was wearing the same jacket, shirt, and jeans he'd worn at Borders. Yeah, he said, noticing what I was looking at. Couldn't sleep, man. Didn't even try. You hungry? I shook my head. Already ate. Coffee? Water's good. I filled myself a glass from the bathroom sink. So, I said as I took a sip, what do you need? You bring a swimsuit, he asked. Yeah, but I'm not much of a swimmer. Let's head down to the pool anyway, he said. Might be safer. Safer? Connor assured me he wasn't worried for my safety, only his, and that the precautions were probably unnecessary anyway. He was just feeling paranoid that someone might have been listening to him or photographing him, and a swimming pool was more difficult to bug than a room. If he weren't married and if he didn't have a kid, he wouldn't have given a damn, but now safety was constantly on his mind. So I followed along with Connor's routine, which, if nothing else, was more interesting than my own. At this time of day, I would have been at home, doing the diaper laundry, emptying the dishwasher, reading cookbooks, inspecting recipes on Epicurious, stalking old girlfriends on Facebook, and imagining other novels I could write that would probably get me into trouble. For example, Nine X's. Connor changed into a pair of black swim trunks. Mine were orange and still a bit damp from the previous day at Bryan Park, where the kids and I had spent the day riding the water slides. We took the stairs down to the pool, which was empty save for a chain-smoking mom and her two boys who were eating Zagnut bars and littering the pool with their candy wrappers. You know, you're the only person I can tell the story to. You're the only person who'll get it. Connor took a sip of club soda and stepped into the pool. I got in after him. The water was piss-warm and motionless. All right, what's the story? I asked. First, let me ask you something. Do you remember that book I told you to read when we were hanging in the pokes? I remembered. In fact, it surprised me that he remembered. I figured the time we spent together had made more of an impression on me than on him. Yeah, I told him. We were talking about John le Carré, the Russia house. That's right. There was a line in it I told you about. One of my favorites. You remember what it was? I didn't. In fact, I hadn't managed to read the book all the way through. I had always found le Carré's books dense and slow going. Though... I didn't mind some of the movies and BBC TV series based on his novels. That's all right, he said. It's something the Russian agent says to Barley, the British publisher. Promise me that if ever I find the courage to think like a hero, you will act like a merely decent human being. Connor repeated those last five words. He lingered over their syllables as if they were part of some prayer he had learned back in Catholic school. A merely decent human being. I have a feeling the story may turn out to be kind of like that, he said. Why, I asked, are you about to become a hero?
Not me, he said. Maybe the opposite. You mean a villain? Yeah, Connor said. Maybe something like that.